praise God. If you have your Bibles, I want to turn your attention for just a few minutes this afternoon to the Gospel of Luke. I'll read from the 22nd chapter, beginning at the 47th verse. Luke chapter 22, verse number 47. It's so good to be here, and I certainly want to give special honor to Pastor West and his wife and their family. God bless these wonderful people. Uh, we do not know them well yet, but share many mutual friends and uh, have heard nothing but wonderful things about them. And so uh, we give them great honor today. And certainly Freedom Church will be in our prayers. And we will be praying that God will send a great revival. Amen. Here in Washington, D.C. Everybody said amen. Luke chapter 22, I, th I believe you mentioned we do have a table out there with a few CDs, and a, my wife has written a couple of books. We have a few of those with us. If you would in, um, be interested in any of that, come see us after service. Luke chapter 22, verse number 47. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them, another gospel writer names this one, being Peter. But Peter smote the servant of the high priest, and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And Jesus touched his ear and healed him. I want to preach today what I felt on my heart this morning in seeking the Lord for this service. I preach to you on this subject, a slave and an ear. A slave and an an ear. Amen. If you're going to help me preach, would you shout amen? God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Occasion throughout his earthly ministry and common to so many, both saints and sinners alike, are the miracles of Jesus Christ. His first wrought at the marriage in Cana of Galilee was a joy and a joyous and happy occasion. Yet his last miracle, just before his crucifixion at Calvary, was performed in the shadows of Gethsemane's garden at a time and, and in a place of sorrow, agony, and travail. Yet it is against this dark background that we see a tremendous beauty illuminated in this final miracle that Jesus performed before reaching Golgotha's hill. The supper was over. The traitor had slipped out into the night to execute his betrayal. Jesus had already passionately delivered his parting words to his friends. And the Bible even tells us that 
a closing hymn had been sung. And so leaving that upper room guest chamber where they had partaken of the Passover, the master led his eleven who remained into the garden of Gethsemane where we find that after admonishing his disciples to pray, Jesus went a little further in the garden and entered into his agony. All too soon for his disciples, that angry mob led by Judas Iscariot pressed through the garden gate with their torches ablaze and they came seeking to arrest this Jesus of Nazareth whom the Jews despised so passionately. And Mark in his gospel records that when they laid their hands upon Jesus, Peter's loyalty and and Peter's devotion manifested itself in, in what one might call a reckless endangerment. Peter unsheathed his sword and violently swung at the head of the high priest's servant. Now, when when we preach from this passage of Scripture that I read in your hearing today, we're usually preaching about Judas. But today I come preaching about this, this obscure character who doesn't get nearly as much pulpit time as, as his counterpart in this passage, Judas. Uh, I come preaching about this man named Malchus. Now, Peter... Also starring in this text, Peter, we know he, he is familiar with throwing nets and, and cutting rope and, and even filleting fish. But I, I, I presume he wasn't so skilled in wielding a sword. At best, having just been awakened from his sleep, Peter's aim was perhaps hindered by his Groggy state. Nevertheless, whatever the conditions were, uh, Peter, uh, uh, he swings his sword, misses Malchus's head, yet cuts off his right ear. Somebody elbow your neighbor and tell him this is an eerie story he's preaching today. <laughs> That's the best joke I got, so I'm going to stick to preaching for the rest of my time today. But in contrast to Peter's excitement, Jesus remained calm. And when many words could and and probably should have been said, Jesus simply gave Peter this instruction. Put your sword away. And in, can I paraphrase, stop interjecting your own human will into the unfolding will of God. And I love this. this. This could be a whole other sermon. But Jesus stooped down and Jesus picked up Peter's bloody mess. He picked up the mess Peter had made. And Jesus touched the ear of that slave. And he healed the wound of his enemy. Now mentioned only for a a few fleeting moments in John's gospel. We 
we see Malchus standing there in the midst of this garden. A, a recipient of a miracle. A miracle from which today I will pull two invaluable truths that tell us something about the nature of our Savior. The first of those is this. In the eyes of Jesus, there are no insignificant people. I'm convinced, ladies and gentlemen, if ever a man had a valid reason to ignore the needs of others, it was our Lord in those final moments in which he faced the certainty of his death. He undoubtedly knew that he was to drink the cup of suffering and loneliness to its bitter dregs. And he was undoubtedly to endure the impending darkness of God forsakenness that awaited him on Calvary. Yet at the threshold of his passion... Our Lord forgot about Himself and He ministered to one who was in need. Living to to the fullest extent His own saying as recorded in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give His life and ransom for many. Ladies and gentlemen, when when we consider Jesus' dealings with a wounded Malchus, let it be noted that Jesus never even thought to utter what our carnal minds would have said without question. You and I in our humanity, we would have drawn this conclusion and this would have been our sentiment when looking at Malchus. He's only a slave. He's only a slave. He wasn't a soldier donning the apparel and wielding the authority of the Roman Empire. He was a slave. A high priest's slave, but a slave nonetheless. Therefore, one could have easily said, Why heal a slave? Why bother with one of such insignificance? Why trouble yourself with this man? Not to mention Malchus was an enemy of Christ standing at the forefront of his accusers and arresters. Certainly if anybody was unworthy, this man coming to take Christ into custody, this man would be unworthy of the master's touch. But ladies and gentlemen, how utterly foolish for us to think that God's love is predicated on on who we are or what social class we fit into. Why would we think that God's mercies are good for some but disregarded for others? Can I just preach it like I feel it today? The power of God is not relegated only to a certain person or a certain race or a certain color. God's grace is not just extended to those who have attained some some spiritual status or standard. It is for whosoever will. For God so loved the world 
the world. He loved the world uh, that he gave his only begotten son. I know I'm preaching a a simple message today, uh, but may it be said this afternoon, uh, he loves the righteous and the unrighteous. He loves the sinner and the saint. He loves the rich and the poor. He loves the overcomer and the outcast. He loves the addict and the abstinent. There is no insignificant people with Jesus. In fact, Jesus made this very clear from the outset of his message. In that Nazarene synagogue, he made it clear why he had come and for whom he had come. Jesus said on that day, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel who to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. He could have well come for the high and the mighty. He could have come for the elite and the prestigious. But Jesus said, I've come for the ones that nobody else wants. I've come for the insignificance of society. I've come for the outcasts of religion. I've come for the hurting and the broken of this world. So the Pharisees could not comprehend why he would sit with publicans and sinners. But yet they also could not understand that his love was rooted in the true reality of his existence. There are no insignificant people with Jesus. There's not a life too dirty. There's not a sin too great. There there is not a heart too broken. There is not a prisoner of sin that God cannot save and set free. That, That certain man that Jesus spoke of who while traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho fell among thieves and was left lying in a ditch half dead. That man found that not everyone was his friend. The Bible tells us that the priest looked upon his unclean condition and said in so many words, he's only a slave, let him die. The Levite beheld that poor man in his pain and said, he's only a slave, he's not worth my time. But then that certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, the Bible said he had compassion on him and bound up his wounds. Ladies and gentlemen, God, let me just preach to me today here just for about 30 seconds. God, forgive me for every time I look down my my religious nose and discard some soul because of their sin. God forgive me for every time I look the other way and I ignored the cry of the lost and the hurting. God forgive me every time I thought I was was being dignified when in reality I was backsliding in my failure to be like Jesus Christ. God forgive me for every time I looked at the life of another and I said there only a slave can I ask a question today were not all of us born slaves to sin 
Hello? We're not all of us, amen, held captive beneath chains of bondage. Therefore, since Adam's fall, all of us have entered into this world on equal terms. We're not righteous at random. Amen. We're not, we're not, we're not holy simply by chance, but we're all born in sin. Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, on our best day, we are but sinners saved by the grace of God. That certain, I hurry quickly, but that certain man uh, mentioned in Luke 14 uh, prepared a great supper. Uh, and the Bible says that when the invited guests were too busy to come uh, and too busy to partake of that which had been provided, uh, that certain man told his servant, uh, Go out into the streets of the city and bring me the poor. Bring in the halt. Bring them that are blind. Go out into the high Go out into the hedges and compel them to come in. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm convinced undoubtedly Jesus taught this parable to establish this principle. To you, there are standards and there are statuses. But God was saying to me, there are no insignificant people. Our identities don't exempt us. Our past don't disqualify us. Because there are no insignificant people. The second of those principles that we learn from that miracle of Malchus's ear is this. There are no insignificant people, but secondly, there are no insignificant needs. And, and you're not the first to, to ask or, or wonder if this could really be true. Even David, that great psalmist of the Old Testament, he wrestled with, with the thought that God could speak an entire universe into existence, yet care so much about one man living in a great big world. David said, when I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon, and the stars which thou hast ordained, what? Is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that thou hast visited him? Maybe, maybe there's somebody in this room today that you've asked yourself the same question. Does God really care about my little life? In fact, I, I, would, I would take it as far as saying there's not one of us in this room that at some moment in our life, some, some situation we found ourselves in. There, there was a moment when we closed our eyes and pointed our head upwards and we wondered, God, do you really see me right here amid the problems that I face? We know those astonished, those, those uh, admonishing words of Peter uh, in his epistle when he, he said, Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. But do we really trust God that far to cast all our cares? Now, let's just be transparent today. I understand that not every need that we face in life uh, is small. Sometimes we have big problems. Can I get a witness in the house? Some, sometimes, sometimes it's not just an ear. Sometimes it's a big problem. 
Sometimes there's big needs. And it is nothing less than the voice of doubt that would tell you in your ear that even your biggest need is even still too small for God to care about. That's a lie that Satan will use so often. Man, Satan will tell you that in the grand scheme of life, your biggest worry isn't nearly big enough to concern the Almighty God. But I've come to preach today the devil is still a liar. However small or however big your need be, there are no insignificant needs with Jesus. I don't know what you brought in this building with you today. Whether it be big or it be small. I don't know what you brought before the throne room of heaven today. But I do know this. Whatever you have need of, Jesus is a Able to supply. And just as easily as some would have said, he's only a slave. They would have also said, it's only an ear. Malchus could have lived without one ear. I understand I'm not getting a lot of of amens right there on that point. (laughs) Because cosmetically, they're both pretty important. But medically, one can be done away with without much of effect. Now, I I don't dispute nor argue the fact that both are nice to have. But losing one in most cases is not... Fatal. It, it would take. It would change some things. It would take some getting used to. Every time he looked in the mirror, it's going to take a little while to get used to what things look like now. But Malchus could have survived. He might have. He might have heard only half as much from that day forward. But he could have lived. Okay, I told you I had one good joke and I tried again, so I'm sorry. Compared to the body at large, the ear is small. Jesus well could have said, Ah, it's only an ear. Malchus, you'll be okay. You'll, you'll survive. But Jesus said nothing of that sort. In fact, on the contrary, Jesus reached down and he took that small, insignificant member of Malchus's body. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus cared enough to heal what Malchus could have lived without. He didn't have to do this miracle for Malchus's survival. It was not essential for Malchus's future, but Jesus did it anyway because even the small things matter to God. I know maybe this isn't what you expected to hear from the guest evangelist today, but I just felt something stirring in my soul today. Maybe someone would walk into this service, and I don't know, maybe it's just an ear that has troubled you. Maybe it is some pain, but it's certainly a tolerable pain. Maybe it's something you can just learn to live with. Maybe it's certainly inconvenient, but but 
It's bearable. You'll survive that situation. Can I challenge you today? You ought to bring even that unto the hand of God because even small things God is able to do. I know that this is the other end of the spectrum from how we usually preach, but I just felt something today. Amen. We 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 bring our big things to God, and we we think, well, it's little. I can live with this. I, I can survive. I can accept it. I'll I'll rise to the occasion. God will surely give me the strength. He'll give me the courage I need. He'll give me the wherewithal to bear this cross. But can I challenge someone's faith if you? can have faith, amen, to cast that mountain from before you. If you can have faith to believe the giant to fall, oh, how our faith can also bring a miracle in those small areas when it's only an ear. When Jesus was teaching his disciples about trusting God and Fearing not the afflictions of man, Jesus said, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? That's one penny. And are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? That's two pennies. Yet Jesus said, Not one sparrow is forgotten before God. In other words, its value is next to nothing. Yet God is mindful of every tiny bird that falls from the sky. He even goes as far as saying that every hair of your head is numbered. So Jesus goes to the, to, the, to the crux of his message that day and says, Boys, you don't have anything to fear because you are of more value than many sparrows. So I submit to someone today, if God cares so much about the very least of the birds that fly in the sky, if God can regard such small things as the hair of your head, surely He takes notice of every tear that flows down your face. Surely He sees every little pain that you have experienced. Surely He knows everything. Every fear, because there are no insignificant needs with Jesus. So it leads me to one conclusion today. That conclusion is this. I could serve a God like that. Not not fancy preaching today. I understand that. Come back next week. Pastor, we'll be back in the pulpit. Just humor the new guy here just for one weekend. But it leads me to one conclusion. I could serve a God like that. One who sees no name or or need as insignificant. One who, who will willingly touch a slave like Malchus and heal an ear. This story of Malchus isn't the only instance where Scripture speaks of a slave and an ear. I won't be much longer. But in my conclusion today, I turn your attention to the book of Exodus chapter 21 where the Bible records the biblical terms of Hebrew slavery. The Bible says, If thou buy a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve. 
And in the seventh year, he shall be set free. No questions asked. However, he came, married or unmarried, he shall go away the same. Verse 5 of Exodus 21, And if the servant shall say plainly, I love my master, I love my wife, I love my kids, I will not go free. Then the slave could then choose out of love for his master to stay and serve as a bond slave unto his master forever. Ladies and gentlemen, That's exactly how I feel about Jesus today. Because I love Him and He loves me. There's no reason to walk away. There's no no other that I would serve. Like Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? There's no one else to serve for everything I've ever needed. My master has supplied it all according to his riches in glory. So serving God is not an obligation. Serving God is not some task of drudgery. Serving God is a privilege. I willingly serve him because I love him. So the Bible tells us that to become a bond slave unto their master. The Old Testament in law instructed the servant to take an all. I didn't even know what that was here until just a couple years ago. COVID happened and our RV didn't travel for a couple of months. And so I, I took up leather working and then I learned what an all was. That sharp metal object that... Pierces right through tough leather so easily. Then I understood. uh, Like a, they would take an awl and thrust it through that servant's ear unto the door. And then, the Bible says, he shall be thy servant forever. Now just reading that and the mental picture that comes in our minds is, is quite gruesome and painful, but... In this picture I see embedded a beautiful foreshadowing of hope. Because ladies and gentlemen, at Calvary, Jesus became sin for us. And took our place on that wooden cross. Might I call it the door. Which opened the way to eternal life. I was the slave. You, you were the slaves and he the master. But I need you to hear me today. The master did what had never been done before. He did what had never taken place previously. The master said, here on Calvary, I'm going to change it all. The master is going to take the place of the slave. The slave deserves the punishment. 
The slave deserves the sin, but the master said, I'll take the place of the slave. And there on Calvary, Jesus suffered our punishment for sin for no other reason but that we would have the opportunity to forever be called the servants of God and His children forever. His body was pierced. Not through his ear, but like and all through an ear. They pierced his hands and his feet with nails. That sinless blood flowed freely, covering not only the wood, but it covered my sin. And there on that old rugged cross, Jesus paid the penalty of our past. It made it possible. For us to no longer be slaves of sin, but servants of God. And so as I close, somebody can come to the piano. I echo the words of Paul when he said this in Romans chapter 6. God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye being then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness thank God today ladies and gentlemen there is hope beyond the slavery of sin we can find escape from the chains of bondage that this world would attach to our lives we can be bound with an everlasting bond to service in the kingdom of God. I have to wonder. It's speculative, I suppose, but I have to wonder. Pastor, was Malchus there? On, on the top of Calvary's hill, Jesus was raised up from the earth. I have to wonder that if he was, perhaps his mind was filled with many thoughts and mixed emotions abounded in his spirit. And I just wonder, had Malchus stood there and looked up at our crucified Christ, might there have been a tear flow down his cheeks? as he considered the night before when out of love and compassion and mercy that Christ made a difference in his life I have to wonder that if that might have been true someone around maybe some some angry protester the cause of Christ might have seen that tear running down the cheek of this high priest's slave They might have asked, hey, Malchus, why in the world would you cry over the death of this man? Malchus would would have to tell them the truth. Malchus would, would undoubtedly share his testimony. You see that man there, not, not on the left, not on the right, but that man there in the middle. Last night in Gethsemane's garden, 
I was there, he was there, and I led the mob of his arresters. I reached my hand to take hold of him and one of his men. A radical fella, he pulled out his sword and cut off my right ear. But you see, that man, that man who is crowned with thorns and pinned to a cross with nails, that man reached down and picked up my ear and healed my body. That man cared about this slave. Ladies and gentlemen, whether Malchus followed Jesus after that day, I don't know. Whether, whether he was in the upper room and was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, I don't know. But, but in the least, there had to have been a tender area in Malchus's heart for the crucified Christ who loved him when he didn't have to. And today, I just, I just feel a little bit like Malchus might have felt. There's a little tenderness in my spirit today. I, I told you, I know we're not running the aisles and, and, and swinging from the, the air ducts today, but there's just a little tender part of my spirit today that it's overwhelmed by the thought that that man who hung in the middle cared for me who was a slave. That man brought healing to my body when he didn't have to. That man loved me when nobody else loved me. That man Others may not serve him, but that man, I'll serve him. Others may not bow before him, but I will bow before him. Others may run from his cross, and others may despise the blood that he shed. But for me, I will humble myself before the cross of Calvary today. Because when he didn't have to love me, thank God he did. I wonder if there's someone in this room today, maybe you're watching online, would throw your hands up wherever you are and you would begin to give God a little praise right now from the sheer understanding, God. I, I, today I, I submit to the understanding and I come under the revelation today. You loved me when you didn't have to. I'm not insignificant to you. My needs are not insignificant to you. I'm here to let somebody know today he cares about the slave and the year. Will you allow him to touch your life today? Will you allow him to minister to you right now? I wonder if a little faith could well up in our spirit right now. I feel gratitude and I, I feel thankfulness. But oh, that a little faith could well up in us today. If he could do it for a slave... Surely he can do it for me. If he can do a miracle for Malchus, surely there's a miracle in this room for my life. If there's a touch for that servant, surely there's a touch of God that can dawn upon my spirit in this room right now. 
all over this room, would you lift your hands to heaven? I want to invite them to sing and worship. If you want to step out from where you are, by all means, let's gather around this front today. I don't know what burden you bore in this room with you today. I don't know what circumstance you're dealing with, but I'm telling you, we serve a God who loves to slave and can heal even an ear. Hallelujah. Come on, His love is measureless. His love is measureless. Oh, I feel His hand reaching forth into this room.